Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just the two of us. Welcome in to the latest edition of ESPN FC. I'm Dan Thomas. Steve Nichol alongside me. Oh, hello, Dan. Very intimate. Hello. Yes. <laughs> if we haven't been talking all day. Um, We also welcome to the show to add a little more interest. Ian Dark is here, as is Nader Manua. Look at that. Pretty and pink, Ian, today. Beautiful. (laughs) Now, if you follow Ian on Twitter or X or whatever it is these days, uh, you know that he loves to tweet about Pompey and he also loves to tweet about VAR. FIFA need a total rethink on VAR. Invented to prevent major errors, but it's a re-reffing the game and draining the drama and passion. Big rethink needed. Was the game better as it was with a few more mistakes but no killjoy delays to check every goal? There will be more technology, not less, as time goes by. Offside law was never invented to rule out goals like that dunk screamer at Goodison on a marginal call. Why not say, if you need lines to decide, call it level, which was sense of it pre-VAR. Oh, Ian. Oh, you and your VAR hatred. Yeah, well, do you know what? I started off being a big supporter of VAR. I thought it would be the answer. It would end all the controversies and the debates. And the deal was this, wasn't it? That we'd lose a bit of the drama, but we'd get far more things right. Well, I think the deal's been broken, really. And I've changed my mind about it now because um, now what we're getting is the draining of the drama, but even more debate and controversies. I don't know how much more we're getting right. Probably a significant amount. But you've got to say, is it actually worth it? And watching the first half of that Chelsea Spurs game uh, the other week, um, it wasn't an entertaining game. But all that added time, delay, delay, delay. I mean, goodness knows what that was like if you were in the stadium. I've spoken to a couple of people who were, and they said it was absolute torture. They had no idea what was going on except a sign on the board saying, checking this and that for offside. So I think, I mean, VAR is here to stay. Nothing I say is going to change it. But I think they've got to now reframe a few of the laws to take account of the VAR era. Which one in particular would you reframe, Ian? The offside law, because I think we've lost level was onside before. Now, Almost all of the decisions are going to line decisions. And you could take one that they were looking at and that referees mic'd up program with, with when they looked at um, Nicholas Jackson. Uh, OK, that wasn't the key decision in it, but they were checking, first of all, to see whether he was offside. And it took them a long, long time. And it didn't seem that scientific where they were going to put the lines in either. You can't tell either when the ball, if you're going to make it that microscopic decision, uh, where you need a sort of degree in geometry, um, when did it leave the, the, the player's foot? If it's that narrow, they should look at it with the naked eye. And if you have to put lines in, I think you can say that's level, it's onside. And it would but be there's quick one, There's and one simple. easy solution to that, isn't it, Ian? And you do the European games. Semi-automated offside, bish, bash, bosh, it's done, no problem. Well, that, 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 that will speed it up and that would be a, a great development, yeah. Stevie, you've always been a big supporter of VAR. 
Has Aye. that changed? No. Uh, listen, if you're going to go and, and debate something, you can't stick with the most egregious part of it and think that that's the norm. Because it's not. And I don't disagree with Ian that the Tottenham-Chelsea game was a fiasco. It's probably the first time I've ever thought, wow, they've made a mess of this. But the truth is, it's about, it's about teaching the people on the VAR. That's what it's about. I mean, can you imagine tennis going back? Have you got rid of Hawkeye? I mean, what, how daft would that be? And it's the same with this. You know, and, and I'd like to know, when was, when was level offside? Level's never been offside. And it's not offside today either. So, again, if we're going to talk about this, we can't, we can't stay with what is absolutely not the norm. We've got to talk about the good stuff and not just completely and utterly sit on all the bad stuff that, that has been thrown out. Because there's been some, quite a lot, too much, I would say. But still, at the end of the day, it's the same, it's the same argument. It's not the actual system. Get the people working the thing properly and we'll be fine. Uh, of course, Nadim, you played with VAR in existence. How was that compared to when it wasn't around? Well, interestingly, I played with VAR in existence, but in MLS. And I think the point that Ian's trying to make there about offsides, I think it was more fair, well, it felt more fair in MLS because they would sort of freeze frame it and then eyeball it and make that decision about whether someone's on or off. I think when you start bringing lines in, people face a level of disappointment. But realistically, there are times when you feel something's right and something's wrong. So I've got no issue with that if it went down that method. But overall, with VAR, like, I, I've got no issue with it. Like, the game between Spurs and Chelsea... It reached a point for me where, like, the VAR checks added to the drama. That's one of my favourite games of all time for everything that was involved. And I think also in relation to that game, the amount of incidents that they were, especially in that first half, as we mentioned, you know, they were exceptional. That's not a normal Premier League game. That's not a normal game of football. So I think it may have felt excessive to some. But again, it leads to this topic, which is if you want to have the best experience in terms of watching a game without, say, crowd noise and emotion of people around you, like... Unfortunately, being away from the stadium will give you the best perspective of what's actually happened because sometimes in a stadium, think of how many things you miss based on where you're sitting. You know, you're hoping that something might go up on the big screen and you miss those moments, but you do engage with fans and you really feel the atmosphere and it's great. But people leaving the stadium have got far less of an understanding of a game compared to people who watch it at home. And I don't know how that will change. But again, as far as VAR goes, all it's highlighted to me across the last few years is that my understanding of the laws of the game aren't what I thought they were is clearly I just play the game. And some of the interpretation that, say, we have, you know, we can have big debates about it. Someone thinks this, someone thinks that. For most of the referees, they're trained to see it in a particular way. And that's been highlighted over the last few uh, years. And there's lots of grief. People are unhappy with time. Listen, when I sit down for a game of football, all I've got time for is watching the game itself. And as long as the decision is something which the referees will deem to be right, then whether or not they, like, if the first, if the referee in the middle of the field sees something and says it, if it's the wrong decision, I've been on the field and been gutted by that before. But whenever we see someone complain and say VR is wrong, why do we never hear from the team who maybe has benefited from a decision which ended up being right? You know, there's, as Stevie said, there's not a balance to it. But um, I've got no real issues with it. And I know that's a controversial opinion, but that's the way it is. Do you know, it's interesting that Nadam said when he was playing. Yeah. I can, I can assure you, I can sit down. I can sit down and go through a ton of games. Mm. and point out so many mistakes that, that referees and linesmen made that absolutely would change... change history. The, history. And so, thinking about what, what I could see that wasn't pulled up, 
to the fact that now it's pulled up, I think is absolutely fantastic. But, yeah, you know, Stevie, I've said it before. It to, score a goal, up, it? to score a goal, that's not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's every kid's delay to score in the Premier League, Cup final, whatever it is, and then it gets chalked off because a linesman has a guess. Right. That is not acceptable. And that's why VAR has to stay. Ian? I'm just going to say there, Stevie, but we're not getting it right, are we? Because they've just admitted that in that, that game, Havertz should have been sent off. Bruno Guimaraes of Newcastle should have been sent off. They weren't. Kovacic, earlier in the season, should have been sent off. That would have been a match-changing incident. So w- there are still things wrong. And let me tell you something else. I watch a lot of the Football League. I don't watch Football League games. There's no VAR. It's like pre-VAR football. There is nobody really there who is pining to have VAR involved. It's like watching football as it used to be. I grant you there are more mistakes, but I don't, I don't think there are people sitting around me there who are going, we should have VAR for this. But then, Ian, you've just said, grant you there's more mistakes. I mean, if, if ever that was, a, that was a positive for VAR, that statement tells you. Tells you. Nathan, why were you shaking your head? Just because I've been played, I've played in Premier League and I've played in the Championship. And one thing about the Football League and the Championship is no, there is no VAR and lots of people aren't asking for it. But they say the referees are horrendous. They literally accept that the game itself is a laughing stock. And at times, if things go your way, you will take it. You know, because some of the mistakes that you see, that they're, they're outrageous. There was a game, I think, between West Brom and Birmingham early in this season. It's one of the worst penalty decisions I've ever seen. And it affects how you watch the game because they took the penalty and they scored. But you know in the Premier League, that law, you say, oh, that'll be scrubbed off because that's the right decision. And I think when people accept that something is a mess, then it kind of shows that to a certain extent at times there's not that much on the line. And, you know, I'd like to see more fairness or better refereeing within games. But if we do get rid of it, which I think the guys would admit it's probably not going to happen, then are people going to be less unhappy? Are people going to be more happy about the decisions being made? The likelihood is, no, they won't. They'll be more miserable. Like, look at all the people that say don't have VR, fine. But it was only in the last international break. England women were saying that goal should never have stood because somebody was clearly offside. Why is there no VAR in the systems that they're involved in? Anytime there's an injustice, people say, well, it should have gone this way. And how is it at the highest level that they don't have it? So it's more balanced than we think. But, you know, it's far easier to be eloquent when we talk about things that we don't like, I believe. Nathan, what do the players say that you speak to? It depends. If they've gained something from it, they say nothing. But if something's gone against them or perceived to have gone against them, they say, well, it's rubbish, it's taking too long, it's slow, it's this, it's that. And I think one misconception that like, I, um, like, I tend to like, completely push back against, say if the referee makes the decision on the field and a goal is given or whatever, like, someone will score and they'll start to celebrate. Then all of a sudden there's a check in play and there's like pause in the stadium. People are anxious. When that goal gets given, they celebrate again. People are literally celebrating twice, but somebody's talking as if nobody celebrates at all. There is still something about you being in the stands and seeing a ball go in. And there's so many years, in my opinion, and so many goals you've seen where you can sense that something's wrong. This is pre-VAR. This is during VAR. And when you can sense it, you don't really celebrate fully. Like we've seen players themselves, you know, maybe handle something and they celebrate in a funny way. But if you think he's got a legitimate goal, you celebrate. And then when that's confirmed, you can celebrate again. But if it's not illegitimate, you've probably celebrated too much. So I've got... As I say, I sound like such a softie for like VR, but I think it's just a lot of people 
Not Ian necessarily, but a lot of people were very unhappy and they're quite conservative in their thought. But I know that if they went back to what it was, the same grievances are still there because the referee can't see everything on a field. And if they're making decisions which will affect you, you'll say, well, the standard referee needs to improve. And unfortunately, you can't have two on the field. So having a video assistant there to help them is ultimately the point of giving a more fair representation of the game. Then we talk about, you, you made reference to the audio being released um, yesterday, Ian. Of course, we saw yeah. in that, what, what was striking was how they didn't seem to pick the right angles at the right times. You, got, you, got a, you, you, you went for the high angle back there to see if there was a push or not, which seemed, seemed a strange decision to make. Yeah, well, that this is you're looking here at the, the goal that Anthony Gordon scores, aren't you, for Newcastle? Yes. Now they check about four things here, and I've got to say, although it took a long, long time, and that's understandable, they probably got that right because there was oh, no wow. conclusive proof, was there, that the on-field decision was wrong. I mean, I know Mikel Arteta and the Arsenal fans will say there's a push there on Gabriel, but they didn't think so when they looked at it again. So the goal, the goal gets given. But my only, my real problem is, I mean, you know, Wolves have had two terrible penalties given yes. against them uh, in recent weeks. So there are still mistakes. It, it, it isn't like the panacea. It's not, it's not solving all the problems and that. But um, it, it's the draining of the drama, I think, and, and the loss of the spectacle, which is a bit of a major concern. But I'm, and I take one. It may be generational. It may be me, may be being a, a bit old school. But, you know, I did start off as a VAR fan, and now I'd be interested to see a poll of the managers and players. What would they vote, yes or no, I wonder now? I'd just be interested to see the result. Think about this, right? So we're saying... So we we complain about decisions referees make, right? Mm -hmm. And we're saying that because a referee, again, gets a second look and still thinks his first wrong decision is the correct one, all we're, all we're doing is saying that the referee doesn't know what he's looking at. That's got nothing to do with VAR. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with VAR. Surely being able to look at something in slow motion, or able to take your time and look at something that is crucial, has to be better than guessing. Would you change anything about it? I would change the wording that they come out with this... Clear and obvious. Yeah. Uh, to me, that seems like a like a, a smoke screen. You know, if 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 you're the VAR guy and you look at something that doesn't, it's like Nadam's talking about. It doesn't feel right. Doesn't look right. Doesn't smell right. Then I, I'm not all in favour of, of of checking something. Absolutely. Uh, Ian, you mentioned offside. What else would you change if you could? If they put you in charge of VAR. Well, they won't put me in charge of VAR, and that's probably a very good distinction. On <laughs> <laughs> the last guy, you wouldn't be putting in charge of it quite clearly from, from the conversation we've been having here. But, no, I think just in general terms, and I think this is going to happen, they need to just look at all the laws now and just bring them all up to date to, to reframe things for the VAR era so things are speeded up, and maybe the semi-automated offside is going to help in that and maybe everyone will get a lot slicker in in operating this but we were told it would take three years so i think we're we're up to that aren't we and it's still a mess you know everybody agrees at the moment it's still a mess and i've heard three referees admit to that i'm not going to name them but they think it's a mess i'd be interested to know right imagine the amount of football shows that are on the tv 
Right? I, I thought we were the only one. Yeah. That matters. I don't hear anybody talking about... I don't hear anybody talking about Castagna when he gets a penalty given against him for Fulham at the weekend. Yeah. And every single person, including, including probably their own coaching staff, when you watch the game, it's a, it looks like a penalty kick. I thought it was a penalty. I'm like, this is, all, this is a penalty kick. I didn't hear one football programme praising VAR or praising the referee for looking at it or just nothing. We heard absolutely nothing. It would be interesting. So it's our fault? No, I'm just... It would be interesting for somebody or or a show to just talk up everything over the weekend. Let's talk things up. We could put you in charge of it next weekend. And see how many actually we got great that that were effective and actually... Gave us the correct result, yeah. as opposed to the blatantly, stupidly obvious stuff that that we're talking about. Little job for you. I'm your man. There you are, man Marky. of the people, man Marky, of heart. I need you to help me. Uh, just a reminder. Then the boys will be back for extra time, where they stay late to answer your questions. Uh, as always, you can check that out over on our YouTube channel. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC, terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled, and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Right then, changes are afoot at Manchester United as Richard Arnold looks to be made way and Patrick Stewart to come in. Uh, Ruthless Ratcliffe, of course, Ratcliffe coming in. Uh, to take over, what they reckon, 25% uh, of the club. For more on this, uh, Julianne Laurent uh, joins us to tell us why this is important. Jules? <laughs> well, it's important because I think for once, uh, Manchester United, I think, will welcome the fact that after Ed Woodwards, who finally left the club not that long ago, nice Richard Arnold, who took over his friend Ed Woodward, didn't really change much. And now finally, I think they will see the back of those two people who run a club without really the competence to run it, let's be honest here, Woodward did a terrible job, so did Arnold, and this is why Manchester United are where they are right now. So at least you've got a change. I'm not saying that the people coming in 
well, I hope for United are doing better, will do better. But certainly for now, I think United fans will welcome the change that the, the, the people who run this club at the top of it, I'm not talking about the ownership, this is still the Glazer, but the people who run the club on a daily basis will change and hopefully for them for the better. I, I tell you what, we talk about Manchester United players struggling. One player who's had a great season is Jaden Sancho because people have now put him on this pedestal that he's going to come in and save Manchester United <laughs> once him and the manager make up. These are just some of the headlines. Jim Junk the order. He's saying, look, you have to make up. You have to forgive Jaden Sancho. We need him playing. Which got me thinking about when I spoke to Edin Terzic, who, of course, was in charge of Borussia Dortmund over the summer. And we talked about Jaden Sancho. He mentioned some of the, the, the big names that have left in the past, including that, of course, that of Jaden Sancho, who went for a big money move to Manchester United, who hasn't put in the sort of performances that maybe he did in the Borussia Dortmund shirt. Did, did that surprise you? Not really. Um, so maybe, maybe this is one great advantage of, of our club, that we don't give only playing time to young players. We give them a, a very important role. They are key players in our mm. team, mm. and not only in the Bundesliga, also in the Champions League. And, of course, if you're if you wearing a price tag, and then the, the, the shirt of Man United became maybe a bit heavier than the shirt of BVB. But, of course, it's sometimes um, a bit harsh. If you, if, you, if you see only the price tag, you, you also ha always have to see the age. And if a player is moving on with the age of 18, 19 or 20 to, to clubs like Real Madrid, now with Jude or Man City or with Man United, of course, it's a bit, a bit higher pressure than at BVB. Uh, honestly, there from Aidan Terzic. Did you like two buttons there, Aidan? It was Las Vegas, Dan. A very enjoyable summer. Anyway, all right, back mm. to Jaden Sancho, Aidan. Uh, can he come back and save Manchester United? To be honest, I think if Radcliffe does take over or whatever, I don't like the idea that he can go to the manager and tell him who to play and tell him what to fix. You'd think that they're going to put somebody in charge who'll be able to manage those situations themselves and sort of figure out what's best for the football club, what's best for the team, what's be best going forward. But, you know, I'd imagine Sancho, as such a young player, would be desperate to get the chance to play because, you know, that's something we've seen him do very well for so many years, you know, before he, he came to United. So it'll be interesting to see how that is resolved. And, you know, is it going to be a case of no hard feelings as the two shake hands and they just say, yeah, let's go and play together? Because it's not, you know, it's firstly not that simple. It's not even a guarantee that Sancho will be starting. You see Ten Hag obviously likes people like Anthony's. Garnacho's getting more game time. You've got Rashford. So what does it mean to bring him back into the group? Does that undermine the manager's initial statements about, say, Sancho? Does it undermine what he's told the players about Sancho, why he's not playing? What happens next? I'm not sure. But I think if it comes from above that he has to play him or has to involve him, I think that's almost starting off the regime on the wrong foot because I think for me you should have autonomy to be able to pick the players that you want based on who you think is best for the football club. Ian, he's been rubbish in a Manchester United shirt. Why is that going to change? Well, I wouldn't say rubbish, but he's been nothing I like... I think you can say rubbish, Ian. He's been rubbish. <laughs> All right, he's been rubbish. OK. <laughs> we, we can argue about the description, but he hasn't done it, so I'm not quite sure what it's based on, really, the thought that suddenly he's going to suddenly come into the team and, and it's all going to take off and everything will be fine again. I mean, the fact with United, it has been that over the, for a decade now, the club has been in decay, not won a title in that time, some cups along the way. 
But, um, you know, there's been a feeling when Ed Woodward was in charge that it was a successful operation commercially, but on a football standing way behind the elite clubs of Europe, way behind what Manchester United should be. And the team is way behind at the moment as well. It's the worst start for, for half a century or more. So, um, no, there's a lot to be done. Maybe this guy, Sir Jim Ratcliffe, maybe the operation will become, um, with football higher up the agenda in comparison to the commercial side. And that does need to happen. But I agree with Nedham. You can't have him coming in and telling the manager how to do his job. It's weird, isn't it, Stevie? This whole thing. He's not going to do that. Listen, the guy... Are we, do we really think that Somebody like Jim Radcliffe is going to walk through the door and start telling the manager what to do. Mm. You know, would he love Sancho to be playing? Of course he would. You spend seventy-five million on somebody who's talented. Of course you do. But anybody who walks through the door at United and thinks they can just walk in and start telling the likes of Ten Hag and players and people involved in the football side what to do, then if you think they're low now. It's just going to go even lower. Yeah, I, I, I don't believe he's going to do that for one second. Uh, Jules, your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I agree with Stevie. I don't, and with the boys in general, I don't think this is the case. However, I think that PR-wise, it's, it's, it's good in a way to to show a bit of love to Jadon Sancho. And I think this is the idea very much of this breaking news. And clearly, there's too many newspapers running this story to show you that this is something that the club has briefed. And I think, in a way, you protect Sancho. You know that a few clubs are interested getting him on loan. You can also look at Saudi Arabia, maybe, to um, to try to sign him. A club like Juventus has been has been linked recently with United for Sancho. So, in a way, you protect him, saying, no, nah, look, we still, we still really like him. We still think that he's very talented. But now, hey, why not maybe playing him again? And actually, you just protect the value of the player and you're listening to every offer and you're probably already negotiating with somebody to take him away on loan because really, you know that it's not going to be so easy to fix this argument between Ten Hag and Sancho. Otherwise, it would have been fixed already. I mean, mm. Ten Hag is not stupid. If, if this incident had been, it's been possible to sort it out, Ten Hag would have done it and Sancho now will be back in the squad potentially playing, potentially starting for this team. The fact that he's still training on his own at Carrington with no contact with the first team, whether you agree or not with the sanction that he's facing, that's another debate. But if, 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 still the, if the, at the moment it's still the case, it's because there, uh, there's just nothing that is making this incident sorted. Uh, he's been linked to a move uh, to Juventus in January. And to keep up to date with all those latest... Uh, transfer rumours, be sure to go over to the website and click on Transfer Talk. Not long now until the January transfer window opens, Stevie. Very oh, exciting. Fantastic. I know. Passion, drive and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We may as well address this because there's been some things said about us over the past, hurtful things about the international break. (laughs) And maybe we don't (laughs) embrace it and love it as much as we should. Complete and utter nonsense, of course. And to epitomise that, Jules is here to tell us why we should be excited about some of those upcoming international games over the next few days. Julien Laurent, over to you. Thank you very much. And yeah, I, I thought, let's kill off those allegations that we don't like the international breaks and that we moan against them and we're not happy. So there's five things that everybody can look forward to in this international break. Thank you for the photo. We will start by the fact that the goats, <laughs> the goats are playing again. I mean, we know that Leo Messi is currently on a break with MLS and Inter Miami. So the only way you want him to, you want to see him playing is during this international break with Argentina against Uruguay first and then against Brazil. And same for Cristiano. Nobody watches the Saudi league. So the only opportunity you have to actually watch him now is to watch him with Portugal and especially the Liechtenstein game that is coming up next week. So to see the goats, this is why the international break is good. In fourth place, we're going to go from fifth to first, of course. In fourth place, because you need to find out if your country, if you're European, of course, is going to qualify for the Euros. So some are really qualified, like Spain, like France, like Scotland, Stevie. But for others, we're wondering, are they going to make it? Are they not going to make it? Are Italy going to struggle again? Are Poland going to get knocked out? Are Albania going to make it? Luxembourg, Slovenia, all those great little teams that I'm sure Stevie and Craig would love to see at the Euros in the summer. (laughs) In third place... Talking about those stories of, you know, some countries making it, others not making it. There's great stories and there's great games, some key games, some finals in this in this international break. We've got That's the, the Ukrainian. <laughs> not really, not really. Come on, don't start. Uh, not you really. You've got the... qualifier. <laughs> Look at that Monday night. You didn't know what to do on Monday night, or for you Monday during the day in the US, and now you know what you're going to do. You're going to watch go. Ukraine Italy, which is like a final to qualify straight away to the Euros. I mean, we can mention that either those teams can still go through, through the Nations League, etc. But for now, same for the Czech Republic game against Poland as well, in Poland this time. You don't know what to do on Friday. Now you know what to do. Let's watch Lewandowski to see if he's going to miss again on another big competition. In second place, one of my favorite topics, of course, is that there's a few very talented uh-huh. youngsters who are going to make their international debut. And this is fab. I still remember when Stevie made his international debut for, for Scotland. I was really young, but I remember that day. <laughs> and Stevie remembers it too. So Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis with England have a chance to make their international debut, which is going to be fab. Warren Zairemwe, who's 17, the PhD prodigy with France as well. And Joran Atto, who maybe you haven't heard of, but is starting to play a lot with Ajax as a centre-back, only 17 as well, also called up by Holland. So it would be a very special day for them and for us if we watch them live making the international debut. And then What's finally, number one? number one is the Super Classico, of course. We've got Brazil-Argentina coming, boys. <laughs> nah, it's different. Because this time is <laughs> Messi against Vinicius. It's Scaloni <laughs> against Diniz. It's like... You know, it's Brazil against Argentina. It's one of the greatest games in world football. So you've got this. If there was no international break, you wouldn't be able to watch Brazil against Argentina. So now you can treat yourself. Yep, you most certainly can. Ian, would you like to add anything to that brilliant top five? I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fantastic sell by Jules that I think he gets a job with FIFA. I'm right with him on all those points. 
except he can't c- persuade me to watch Portugal against Liechtenstein. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. More anti-Ronaldo rhetoric on this show. It's disgusting. Uh, Nadam? <laughs> No, I'm, I'm with Jules. I just love football. And international breaks is a chance to see different sort of setups. And also, given the fact it's Euros in the summer, you get a chance to see how are the teams doing. As he mentioned, are they going to qualify? You know, these are the reigning European champions. Are they? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I love, I love it. I'm with Jules. This is what Jules and I have in common. We love watching football. International yeah, breaks right. are great. Yeah, yeah. Some great players, great teams. Happy days. Let's go. Bears this week. Are they? Let's you got to hibernate with the Bears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This week, definitely. Well, there you go. You've certainly. Well, ready for hibernation. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, if you want to ha- maybe have a little flutter as well during international break, ESPN Bet uh, launched uh, this week. And here we go. Here's some bets for you. Albania, friend of the show, Zabaleta, of course, is assistant coach. They're going to beat Moldova. Finland's going to beat Northern Ireland. Montenegro, meanwhile, has been beat Lithuania. Him. Now, if Fade you put all him. Of- if you Fade put him. all of these together, that's plus nine three and a parlay. We'll treble your money, Stevie. That's good, isn't it? What are you saying, Nathan? What's wrong with you? I was just saying. I was just saying. If this is going to be about gambling now, whatever you say, people just do the opposite. It's the easiest way to make How money. Dare. Whatever he says, do the opposite from this point that going is very forward. Rude. Very rude. Very rude indeed. You not see the fifty dollars I won off Stevie last year? Just a reminder. We'll say thank you. Is, is there a Gam and Jules podcast this week, Jules? Indeed, yeah, tomorrow morning. Oh, well, I'm going to do that next, apparently. Uh, so just a reminder, ESPN FC with you throughout the week. Uh, more international talk to come. I got too excited about internationals. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Friendly in Belgium today as they would take on Serbia. Just a one goal, and it would come very early on in the match. Serbia trying to play out from the back. They got caught, and Carrasco would give Belgium a 1-0 lead, and that's how it would finish. Lukaku didn't feature in that game because he had something better to do. Apparently, he's not the only one. And you know what that was? Speak to Julian Laurent, Jules. You're in Belgium. How exciting! (laughs) Very exciting. You you will be able to to read the future on the website very soon. Oh, well, is that it? That's not really much of a tease, Jules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just wait for the article to come up, and it would be great. Trust me. Did you speak to him? Is there anything said that was remotely, remotely worth listening to? Yeah, I mean, it's a great... Listen, if you go back to the summer and what happened in Lukaku's uh, like football life, really, and the transfers to Inter Milan that didn't happen, 
even going back to the Champions League final, of course, at the beginning of, of June, and then a very eventful summer now at Roma with Mourinho. We're just going to tell you a lot of stories about what happened in the summer. Uh, see, so, you, haven't, you haven't spoken to him yet, Jules? No, not yet, not yet. Ah, there we go. I see. Ah, oh, that's exciting, isn't it? Uh, very good. Thank you very much to Jules. Now, will you be, will you be back in time for the Gab and Jules podcast? Yes, don't worry. I mean, I think producer Pete got a bit panicky that I was not going to make it. I will make it. Don't worry. Oh, beautiful. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Speaking of Wrexham, we're bringing you the top moments from season two of Welcome to Wrexham. Here's today's best of moment presented by Stoke, the official cold brew coffee of Wrexham AFC. So uh, for anyone who needs a quick reminder, of course, uh, Wrexham are currently in the National League. That's the fifth tier of English football. Now, we call that non-league football. Uh, everything from the fifth tier down uh, is organised football, but it's non-league. Everything above, that's league football. So that's League Two, which is the fourth tier, League One, which is the third tier, the Championship, second tier, and the Premier League, which is the top tier. Uh, now, teams can move between these different tiers via promotion or relegation. So promotion tends to mean uh, bigger crowds, bigger prize money, bigger television money, bigger interest, um, and uh, relegation means the opposite. Now, all episodes of Welcome to Wrexham are now streaming on Hulu. If you haven't seen it, it's absolutely brilliant. Be sure to check it out. Uh, meanwhile, in the FIFA Under-17s World Cup, the US we, uh, won by two goals to one against Burkino Faso to keep their perfect start uh, to qualify in that tournament. Uh, be sure to join the latest edition of Football Americas. Uh, Seven Herc will be breaking that down tomorrow live on ESPN+. Uh, meanwhile, it was inevitable, wasn't it, considering the start to the season they have made. Union Berlin sacking their manager, uh, Urs Fischer, today as they sit rock bottom in Germany. Uh, Bundesliga, of course, will be back towards the end of the month. Problem against Bayern Munich is our Friday game. And then on Saturday, Borussia Dortmund take on Borussia Mönchengladbach. And then on the Sunday, Heidenheim against Bochum. And it's Hoffenheim against Mainz. Also returning after this weekend, it will be La Liga Alaves against Granada is our game on Friday. And then on Saturday, Atletico Madrid take on Mallorca. The early game is in Madrid. Rio against the Barcelona. On the Sunday, you'll see Real Madrid away against Cadiz. And for the Monday night game, it's table toppers Girona against Athletic Club. Uh, that is it. That brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, be sure to stay tuned, though, because we've got Nadem and Ian and Stevie as well to answer some of your questions. Welcome into the latest edition, then, of Extra Time. Ian is with us, as is Stevie. I want to just revisit... A couple of questions that we asked yesterday because they garnered quite interesting answers. And I want to ask them to you, Nadam. The first of which was, how is your journey from a pro footballer to a pundit? And what is one thing that genuinely surprised you about your new job? Um, 
So I started doing some punditry while I was still playing, which is more common nowadays. And it was good to get a little taste of it, not doing too much, but sort of learning how studios work, learning how each individual like show is different, whether it's radio, TV, digital. And it was good to be able to learn that because you're essentially just a newbie in this. You know, you are brand new in that space. So that was good. And the thing that surprised me the most is how some people actually have a lot of skill in terms of doing what they do. And some people, it's as if just by magic, they've still somehow stayed in a job. So yeah, that's what surprised me, the variance in talent between people doing things that seem, you know, so easy to some, but for others, like, as I say, they've really surprised me how bad they are. Passive aggressive. Um, <laughs> Ian, when you work with a pundit for the first time <laughs> and, and they ask you for advice, if they do indeed ask you, what advice do you give them? Um... Not to talk too much, really, because if you're doing a co-commentary, that's quite mm. different from being, being in a studio, um, because the game moves on. If you make your points in too long-winded a way while the match is going on, you're getting about three or four phases behind the play. So I think the best co-commentators... I, what I always say to, to footballers, like, you know, if, if, if I was working alongside Ned, and I haven't had that privilege as yet, but I think what, what you'd say is... Um, Tell me stuff that only you can see as a guy who played at the top level of the game. Um, the same with Stevie as well, of course. He could play at the top level of the game. But, you know, I could watch a thousand games and commentate on a thousand games, but I wouldn't see everything that a top professional player would see. So if you can give those sort of insights, it does illuminate the commentary. I, I remember the first time I ever did a game, and it was on the radio. Oh, yeah? And I was at the Boston Bulldogs. Okay. And it was on New England Revolution. And I can't remember the name of the team they were playing. Right. And I was in row 1375. <laughs> no, mon- no monitor. Oh, wow. And I didn't know the players on either team. Good. It was horrendous. I remember walking home, walking away to the car park thinking... How embarrassing was that? I was absolutely terrible. Wow. And so the next time I did a game was here at ESPN. Yep. And I was so nervous. Because all I could think about was... Were you really? All I could think about was how bad I had been. Right. The first time I did it. Yeah. But then by the time I had done the first game, I thought... You know what? It does help if you can actually see the players. Yes. And you know who they are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I, I was terrible. Wow. Awful. Do you remember we did some games together? Do you remember know, we did yeah. that, that French... U21? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that, I'm surprised you didn't get an Emmy for that, to be um, honest. That was quite something. Um, and we also asked... I'm not stitching you up, I promise, Nathan. We asked this yesterday as well. If you could change one moment in your career, what would it be and why? That's a great question. Um... Well, again, so mine, Nader, mine was, uh, so mine, mine was missing a chance for Scotland in the World Cup in '86. I had a chance to score. Mm. I didn't connect properly. Goalie got across and saved it, and we drew nil-nil. And had we won, we'd have qualified for the next stages for the first time ever. Oh. So mm. I could have gone. I could have gone from being a mega, mega hero. Yes, or I could have been. Instead of that, every time I go back to Scotland, all I get is, oh, you missed that chance against Uruguay. Yeah. So that was mine <laughs> from yesterday. Um, 
So, uh, as Ian was saying, you know, he said we both played at top level, but your top level is just a shelf higher than mine, at least, at least a shelf <laughs> higher. So I don't necessarily have those moments. But what I would say, um, and this is a proper hindsight one, in the MLS season of 2020, we actually played the first two games of the season, and the second game was at home. And I had three chances, and I should have scored three goals, and I didn't take any of them. And then a day later, the season stopped. And that was the start of my last season. So I could have been someone that scored a hat-trick in that season. And instead, I remember walking away thinking, oh, I can't believe I've missed that. And then fast forward, like, a career. Because by the end of that season, I was done. And I had no goals to show for it. So I'd probably say if I could take some of those, that would have been a nice sort of way to sort of wrap up the last year of of my career. Ian, is there a moment of a commentary or an interview or something in your broadcasting career that you wish you could go back and change? Uh, well, when I was in radio, there were about three occasions when I forgot to put a tape in the machine, so there oh. was no... When I got back into the studio, so that's one thing you learn quite quickly. I think... Um, well, the, the fi- I don't know if it's the one I regret, because it was a bit of a laugh, but I said on air one day, do you remember Liverpool used to have a go um, Newcastle had a goalkeeper called Mike Hooper uh, yeah. back in the day. Stevie will remember this. Um, they were playing, uh, Newcastle were playing at Oldham, and he was making save after save. And I, and I said, I don't know why I said this, I said, I said, he's a goalkeeper who should know his angles, he's got a degree in maths. Or is it English literature? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never oh, been to forget that by, by, by people at, uh, at the channel I was working for at the time, but we had a good laugh anyway. Oh, very nice. You've got so to good. laugh, haven't you? You've got to, yes. Big mate. Mike Hooper. Was he the one who was he the bird spotter? Aye. Yeah, he'd, he'd go off for the weekend. Yeah, he would, he would come in. I remember coming in one Monday and he was sitting in the corner and I could have sworn that he looked as though he was like half asleep right I was like Hoop you alright have you been out last night on the uh, on the juice or what and he went yep. no no he said uh, he said I was in Sky and I went what he went I was in Sky yeah I went Sky in Scotland which by the way is I'm going to say an 11 hour drive yep from Liverpool he goes yeah I said what were you doing there was it a wedding or something he went no I went to see a black speckled something. Wow. And I went, <laughs> so let me hear you drove 11 hours. And you went, oh, that's a nice pop. And then got back in the car and drove back. He went, well, yeah. There you are. <laughs> Big hoop. Nate, can I ask you a question? I'm not being an idiot, but I'm just intrigued. For once. Well, because because we, we've been talking about um, call-ups and first-time call-ups around Cole Palmer. And obviously you played for England 21s, but then I think I'm right in saying never got the call-up for England. Was there a point that you thought you were going to get a call-up? And at what point did you think, right, I'm not going to worry about this anymore? Uh, there was a point, actually, where I thought I was going to get a call-up because I was on the... Um, I was a standby at one time, but that was it, essentially. And, the, you know, sometimes you read the press and you say, this guy's going to get called up or this guy's in the mix. But in fairness, at that time for England, the way that... You know, they select their teams. They had the guys who were set in stone. And in fairness, they did very well for England, relatively speaking. So, yeah, I never thought, you know, it's definitely not going to happen. Maybe when I was in MLS, I was like, pretty sure it's not going to happen. Maybe when I was in the (laughs) championships, definitely not going to happen. But realistically, anything is possible. And the only time I sort of regret it or where I thought maybe it could have happened was when Stuart Pearce took charge for, I think it was one game. Mm. And he brought up about six players that he'd had at under-21s. But I was not one of those six names, and I ended up watching it from a distance. Did he have a conversation with you? 
Did any manager have a conversation with you no, about no. that? No, uh, no. Not quite, no. Stuart Pearce himself, like, I think he thinks we get on, but I don't particularly get on with him because I remember <laughs> what the decision he made. I think it was the under-21s final, European Championship final against Germany. And he took me off at half-time as one of the senior players. And I was, I was playing fine. It was one of the weirdest decisions outside of him putting a goalkeeper up front that I'd seen him do. So from that point, I really struggled to get over it. And here we are 14 years later and I'm still not over it. So me trying to speak to him was never really something I was striving to do after that point. Wow. Oh, I should get you and Stuart Pearce again. You, Joey Barton and Stuart Pearce all on a show together, Nader. Oh, oh I'd love it. That would be great. That would entertain me immensely. (laughs) Ian, we all believe that the Premier League is the best league in the world, but why does an elite footballer like Mbappe have no interest in playing in England? Well, I don't know that he doesn't have any interest in playing in England. I've not had the privilege of talking to the fellow, but, I mean, would you rule that out, that he would never play in England at some point in his career? I mean, he's probably going to Real Madrid next, isn't he? But we've been saying that for a couple of years, haven't we? Um... I'd have a bet, I think, that at some point in his career, he probably will play in the Premier League. For Nader, what was it like playing against Drogba in his prime? Do you think he gets enough recognition today for how good he was? I think he gets a lot of recognition, but I think where it stumbles is for younger people who haven't maybe seen him play, they'd probably look at his stats and say, well, he wasn't that good. But one thing about it was on his day, he was borderline unplayable. You saw so many games where, you know, bully a Carragher, a Senderos, you know, like he's really taking people to the cleaners. And he's, you know, he's an incredible player. I think um, having played against him, you know, it wasn't really drug, but it was more like Drogzilla. Physically, he was as strong as anyone you'd ever play against. He had great movement, was a great finisher. But a little known stat for you, Dan, and all the duels I played against him, he never actually scored against me, but I scored against him one time, Dan. How crazy is that? That is very crazy. Is this you bragging again about your Stanford Bridge goal? Oh, no, don't make me talk about that, Dan. Don't make me talk about that. Even though it's, listen, it's 13 years and one day, but don't make me talk about it. (laughs) Because I've forgotten about it. I've forgotten about it already. Uh, Should we say something? You could say something nice about Drogbury, and he was something else, wasn't he? He was brilliant. I mean, and he was was the scorer in big, big games, wasn't he, as well? Cup finals and things. But not against Nedham. No, not against them. Yeah, you said no. big games. Clearly not big game. Clearly not big game. Yeah. <laughs> big enough. Oh, uh, for Stevie, would you? Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of Scottish football? I'm tra- <sighs> how many? How many is there? Four. Four. Yeah. Oh. So you'd have Kenny, Hanson, Dalglish, Sunes, and Dennis Law. There we are. Perfect. Wow. Yeah. Who's a close fifth? I don't think there's a real close one. I mean, okay. they're, they're, all right, don't force it. No, don't force it. No, there's people you wouldn't hear of. A guy right. called Jim Baxter. Okay. Yeah, Jim Baxter. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but no, for lot for yeah, those four. Yeah. Ah, easy peasy. Hanson, Dalgleish, Sunes, Law. Do you agree, Ian? I couldn't top that, and I wouldn't argue yeah. with Steve about Scotland. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty cool four, isn't it? <laughs> right then, Ian, of all the many, many games that you've watched, what's the craziest comeback you've seen that you've witnessed live? Oh, that's easy. Uh, that's easy, because I was lucky enough to be the commentator that night of the, uh, I think you call it the Remontada, don't they? Barcelona yeah. lost first leg 
4-0. Messi was given 2 out of 10 in Lecky for his performance. Second leg, they're going out with seven minutes to go. They need three goals. They get three goals in the last seven minutes. Uh, Sergio Roberto, 95th minute header, and Barcelona somehow win. And Steve McManaman was commentating with me, and we basically, we were, you couldn't get back to the hotel. The place was going crazy. So we, we just sat drinking with the fans for half the night. Oh, that's not like Macca. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No comment. <laughs> For Naden, which player or players do you believe have improved the most during the Pep era at City? Um, do you know what? I think possibly to start with, this is probably a bit of a sleep walk, but like Carl Walker... Because I thought maybe he wouldn't be someone that would thrive and become, you know, perceived as one of the best fullbacks in the world. But I think he has. But then you can mention Rodri as well. When Fernandinho was there, nobody was talking about Rodri to come in. No one was thinking if he played, he was going to end up being the player that he is. So I'd probably lean into him as well. And then for the more recent side, Manuel Akanji. He came in and he felt like he was going to be a backup. And people were talking about all the mistakes he used to make when he was in Germany. But now he's one of the he's one of the players that seems to very rarely get rested. And you know the prime example was in that game against Chelsea. With a lot of people who didn't have good games, but overall I think he was defensively very very good. So I think I'd probably name those three. But Kyle Walker's probably the main one. Do you agree, Steve? Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't I wasn't sure Kyle Walker was going to fit into this ultra passing, um, but he absolutely has. Be- he's become a, a an integral part of it. Ian, your thoughts on Emma Hayes leaving Chelsea for the U.S. Women's National Team job? Oh, I think it's a fantastic appointment for the U.S. I really do. Uh, Lucky enough to work with Emma um, on the Women's Euros. And she is a bundle of ideas and energy. She loves the game to bits. She's obviously a very, very talented coach. And I don't think they could have appointed anybody better. Uh, For all, who's the most intelligent player you've ever played with? It's got to be yourself in it, Nadam. Accounting degree, three well, A's you know, at A-levels, my no, crikey. No, 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 it's, it's never been me. Um, I'd say in terms of sort of thought, I'd probably say Vincent Company because ah. he's obviously very much into his books. He's a deep thinker. And then also he speaks so many languages and was keen to learn more. I think anybody that can communicate in a room with so many like different nationalities, I think that's a skill and that ability to, to pass on a message in many different ways. I think that's something that makes him very, very intelligent from that standpoint. Where you, Steve? Are we talking about IQ here type stuff? I think so, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It's well, he's, already, brain. he's already had a mention, Mike Hooper. Mike Hooper? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Hoops is loving it. Yeah, well, Eleanor with plays that degree. game with him. <laughs> she plays, um, what, Words With Friends? No, 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 no. What's the other game? Uh, Where, well, we'll put it this way. He's always, he's always picking, like... All the tough subjects. You know, I almost picking, like, movies and all what kinds of stuff. What game are you playing? Oh, what's the name of it? Trivial Pursuit? Oh, then I'll look it up. Oh, there you are. You look yeah, at... Yeah, you find it Yeah, you look at... Uh, Ian, who, who impressed you when it comes to intelligence <laughs> and football? Well, I don't know because, I mean, the guys are around the dressing room with the players, so they know they would know Quiz the planet. <laughs> football brain. Football brain, I'd say Glenn Hoddle. Right. Quiz Planet. There we are. Quiz Planet. Glenn Hoddle over Kenny Dalgleish. Oh, dear. <laughs> For football brain. <laughs> Probably not. 
Go on then. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, you don't get him going. Actually, I think you've trumped me there. I think you put your ace on there. Stevie. There you are. Yeah, you see, the Quiz Nation, whatever it's called. Um, Planet. I don't know. I don't know if you saw this, Ian. Um, but how angry do you get when you're raking your leaves? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh. I feel there maybe needs. Is there a video that needs yeah. context here? Yeah. I have a yeah. break. Who's that raking the leaves? That's, That's Stephen Nickel. Oh, is that it? Is a... Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, I and haven't it... raked any leaves yet this summer, uh, winter, or autumn. Well, you got my hoosier. Hiya, Stevie. You'll just beat them outside yeah. your room. Outside I'll beat them to death. Then we'll knock them back. I need to do it though. I need to do it. Could you, when you play golf at the moment, you can't find the ball, can you? Because it's under a leaf somewhere. Oh dear, hard, hard life, Ian. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, finally, someone sent me this picture, Stevie, uh, which uh, I think was uh, used to mark 100 years at Liverpool. You know what I'm talking about? Aye. There you go. <laughs> Look at that. That is a belter, isn't it? <laughs> Very nice. Holy smoke. Yeah. That is a beauty. Very good. Wow, I remember getting that done. Seems like a couple of weeks ago. Clearly not. <laughs> yeah, Moby's big, isn't he? Mm. Do you know what? He's probably about the same size now. Oh, really? Aye. So you've... Uh, no, it's a man. <laughs> He's in good nick. <laughs> yeah? Unlike, Is he? Unlike... Unlike, uh, unlike others. Yeah, others. Uh, unlike others. Ian, when you started commentary, commentating, is that what people look like? Yeah. I think those yeah. shirts will come back next week. They should wear those as a special commemorative outfit for next season. Yeah, I think that'd be nice, wouldn't it? They look good. Ah, uh, Yeah? Bit of vintage, retro. Tell you what, imagine playing in those things. Heavy, I imagine, yeah. thing. Imagine they got wet as well. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Shocking. And is Mark Wright's wearing a fake moustache, I assume, yes? No. That's, that's the real one that he's had? I grew it for it. Say again? He grew it for it. Did he? No. No. Don't be silly. Oh, you could have sold me right down the river. <laughs> well, I already you did. should have done. I already did. Uh, you should have done. Take me uh, all the way. I already did. Oh, I believed you, Sally. No, and obviously that's Bruce's real hair. Yeah. <laughs> Fantasy land, no. Hey, look at that. That's right. Who was it? Craig Johnson had hair like that, though, didn't he? He had, yeah. he had big curly hair. Aye. He could have done it. Aye. Oh, natural. Oh, natural? Yes, Stevie. OK, right, enough of this nonsense. Uh, thank you very much, everyone. ESPN FC is back on your screens tomorrow. Um, some actual international games uh, that matter to look ahead to be sure uh, to join Kay and the gang. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is to not search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 